Alright, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day to be here humbly before your feet, ready to learn your word. You know what we're going through, you know we're tired at times, and you also know that we're willing, and that's why we're here. We ask that your spirit guide us and even wake us up and teach us tonight and show us what we need to see and set us free as you promise your word to do. And Father, most of all, we are eternally grateful for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for sending him out of heaven to become a man and humble himself the way he did, which was unspeakable. We're just grateful and thankful, Father, that he was willing to be judged in our place and that you had this magnificent plan so that you could rescue us all from our sin and death and we could be with you forever and ever all because of your grace and mercy. Father, please bless this message. Guide us and teach us. We ask these things in Christ's precious name and by the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. Sin deceives us away from gratitude for our healer and deliverer. I hope this has been a helpful perspective um, it's another, another area that sin deceives us. And I want to start this way, um, almost like with a kind of almost like a different view on gratitude in a way. Uh, as we all know, God is after our hearts. God is not after our religious rituals or whatever, checklists and all that. God is after our hearts always in whatever we are doing, whatever it pertain, pertains to. And he loves nothing more than a grateful child what father doesn't he loves nothing more than a grateful child so combine those two thoughts and it reminds me of what the word of god says about giving on the board in second corinthians 9 6 through 7. now this i say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Think about that in light of our study on gratitude. Now, sin wants to take us away from gratitude. God loves a cheerful giver. That's the heart God desires to see in his children every single day. And only a grateful heart can give so cheerfully, including giving, not just money, giving thanks. God loves a cheerful giver. But sin deceives us away from having such an appreciative heart for God and for his people. Sin pulls us away from that, from that attitude of appreciation, gratitude, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't want us to be there because it's a place of rest. It's a place of peace. So let's get going with a few key principles from our series so far. And I'm going to go kind of quickly, um, as most of these in the beginning here are review, but they've kind of been the, the points that have stuck out to me the last two lessons. 
Sin wants to discourage our faith in our Deliverer. And faith in our Deliverer includes gratitude for what we do have. When our gratitude fades, our faith fades too. Giving gratitude is vital or life-giving to our faith. So make that connection also in your souls. And what also came up on Tuesday was that the very process of giving thanks, pausing and giving thanks each day, strengthens our faith. That's why it's in the process. It's in the journey. That's, that's sanctification, right? It takes time over time. Doing these things, these activities with God are what allow us to grow and see things differently. So again, sin wants to discourage our faith in our deliverer, and faith in our deliverer includes gratitude for what we do have. When our gratitude fades, our faith fades too. Giving gratitude is vital to our faith. The Spirit also reminded us, deliverance is what God actually desires for His children. Sometimes you might get cynical, frustrated, wonder why God's not answering a prayer, etc. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that deliverance is what God does want for us. He wants us to be delivered in every way. There are reasons it can't be right away. But that is His heart for His children. And we also sought to experience it. It requires that we keep the faith. The Lord healed people uh, based on faith or didn't heal people based on lack of faith. Just read the Gospels. You'll see that over and over and over. So on the board, no matter how hopeless the situation, our God can heal us if it's His will. But faith plays an integral part in that. Matthew 13, 58, 14, 34 through 36, and 15, 21 through 28. We saw those on Tuesday. Um, but first of all, never, we should never, ever, ever lose hope or belief that God can heal us, be it His will. And also, we must never forget faith plays an integral role in that process. That's what God's waiting for many times. So if someone loses an arm and God wants an arm to grow back, I hope you believe you can do it. I hope you don't doubt even the craziest thought. And if you do, if you, you know, react to what I just said, go read your Bible and see all the miracles, which are things that were impossible, scientifically, rationally, impossible things. We could count them till the cows come home, all throughout the Bible. So if someone loses an arm and God wants an arm to grow back, it's going to grow back. That's the kind of faith God wants us to have. And one day he might just do it for you or for a loved one. The point is nothing is impossible with him. Nothing, zero. Again, we, we, uh, because of society and maybe intellect and science, we put some limits on what God could do when there were literally none. But faith is a prerequisite of sorts and a humble heart that bows to the Lord and His power and His care for them is rewarded in God's timing, of course. So we saw a key example of this point on the board on Tuesday. Uh, let's go to Matthew fifteen twenty-one. Matthew fifteen twenty-one. 
I'm not going to read all those passages from Tuesday, but this was a key one that really gave us a lot of wisdom. Matthew 15, 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite, Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Remember, the Canaanite woman was a Gentile, which the Jews called dogs in those days, mostly because they denied God. But, you know, this woman wanted God. So again, the Lord says, uh, the Lord answers and says, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. So the question came up on Tuesday, do you have the persistent faith of the Canaanite woman? It takes some uh, courage, which we know is another word for faith, to keep coming to the Lord after he says no to you. You know he's the Lord. You know he says no to you, which, you know, is there any greater authority that you should listen to? And she kept coming because she knew him. She knew him personally as her Savior and her Lord. On the board, the Canaanite woman's faith, even after Jesus' negative responses, she persisted, revealing she knew him as her Lord and Master and was willing to be the humble dog at his feet. And then the Lord eagerly healed her daughter at once. So we can learn a lot from her example. And the Spirit posed to us an interesting question to think about on the board. Do you maintain the persistent faith of the Canaanite woman even while you say God's will be done? I hope maybe you dwelled on that, what it, what it means to you personally. But I shared with you all on Tuesday that I sometimes lose persistence in asking God for healing and deliverance in certain situations, which really we should never lose. That attitude, we should never lose that. And yes, it's good to accept God's will on a matter. It's good to accept His will and rest and gratitude. But at the same time, I will not stop asking you, Lord, because I know who you are. I know you're gracious. And I know you can do anything. So I'm going to keep asking. And God honestly loves that. You're not asking from a place of a lack of faith. You're asking from a place of faith. Because you know he can do whatever is needed. It doesn't matter what it is. Now as a balance statement, sometimes the Lord will say to you, in your personal relationship with him, he'll say to you, this is where I need you to be. So you might be asking for deliverance, and he might say to you somehow, some way, this is where I need you to be. And if clearly revealed by the Lord to you, 
you should rest in God's will being done. That's when you might stop asking. Why? Because God made it clear to you the answer. I need you to stay here right now. I think of Paul and his thorn in the flesh. When he asked three times, hopefully we're going to get there later tonight, when he asked three times for it to be removed, he was persistent like the Canaanite woman. But then the Lord said something to him, right? We'll see that later on. And because of what the Lord said, Paul then sat back and accepted that it was God's will for him to have this thorn. And I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed that the cup passed from him right before the cross, right? Father, please let this, pu- this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Once he got the answer that it wasn't possible in God's plan for the cup to pass from him, he accepted it. And he said, God's will be done. He got the answer, though, before he stopped praying persistently. So just stuff to think about. Um, if God hasn't clearly said no to you, maybe you should keep on asking him with persistent faith which he loves. So this came out on Tuesday, part of God's will be done. We must never lose faith in our Lord and Master regarding our healing and deliverance, just as we must never lose gratitude. Sin wants us to give up on asking the Lord in faith. Sin would love it if we gave up, if we dropped persistent faith. Another key in this series Another key point, situations of death are actually a blessing in disguise because they cause us to truly set our hope in God alone. We saw 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10 a couple times. Situations of death are actually a blessing in disguise because they cause us to truly set our hope in God alone. Sin has deceived us into hoping in other things too. Honestly, who hopes in God alone 100% all the time. So God has to put us in situations where we, we stop even with our mind reaching out to certain things or people for freedom, for whatever, because we do it. God knows we do it. He's like, i got to strip everything away from you at some point so that you can see, so that you can refine. I can refine your faith. So that it's in me alone, like impurity. And that's what refining is all about, right? In this verse, Paul's faith and peace were increased by this desperate situation he was in. How much were his faith and peace increased? Because he faced death, really thought he was going to die, and then God delivered him. It's one thing to be in a tough situation, right? It's another thing to think that it's over and there's no hope at all and it's, it's over. And then if, when God rescues you from that, it's like, whoa, it's intimate. Let's put it that way. How strong was Paul's faith after going through that situation and being delivered by God? We don't know for sure, but, you know, he does talk about it in that verse. He's like, I know you're going to deliver me. <laughs> you delivered me. I know you're going to deliver me, and you're going to still deliver me. His confidence, his faith in God was through the roof because of a situation of death. But without the opportunity of the desperate situation, and I did use the word opportunity on purpose. We don't think of it that way. Without the opportunity of a desperate situation, there's no 
deliverance to experience. There's no miracle. There's no seeing how much God loves you, for lack of a better way to put it. A personal experience with God deciding to rescue you from a hopeless situation. So by faith, with gratitude, we must look forward with contentment to God delivering us. That should kind of be like our steady attitude, steady Eddie, every day. Pray, give thanks, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, be joyful, pray continually, give thanks in all things. That should be our routine, our habit, our lifestyle with God. By faith, with gratitude, we must look forward with contentment to God delivering us with expectancy even, even if right now he's saying it's not the right time in your life. And we know God always has his reasons. Another main theme has been that sin is attempting us to uh, think lightly about gratitude, to lightly esteem gratitude as though it's really not that big a deal. Uh, We've used the phrase, you know, sin is urging us to throw gratitude in the garbage can kind of like it's useless. It's like sin telling us a piece of gold in our hand isn't real. It's just another rock. But gratitude is that piece of gold in your hand that sin wants to deceive you away from valuing as the treasure that it is. So the right perspective is that everything in life is a privilege, even the things God wants us to suffer, asks us to suffer for Christ's sake. Even when we're under God's discipline, it's a privilege and a gift. So I hope you receive that for yourself, that truth for yourself. Even when we're under God's discipline, it's a privilege and a gift. Receive that. The Greek word means to take hold of it, to grab hold of it. Receive that as your own, like the point on the board. Life is a gift and a privilege. And that's why, through it all, we're told to give thanks. Because whatever it is we're going through, it's plainly the will of God for our lives, at least right now. Otherwise, we wouldn't be going through it. Otherwise, we wouldn't need it for our sanctification. But apparently, we need it for our sanctification. Why exactly? Only God knows all the facts. And we are to leave that stuff in His hands. But our sin nature is continually lying to us, trying to get us to be ungrateful and unaccepting of God's plan for us. So know where that comes from, right? When those doubts creep in, or that discouragement creeps into your soul, and you're starting to entertain, know where that comes from. That's a lie. That's a whisper from the sin nature, from Satan, from the serpent, to say, you don't need to be grateful. You shouldn't be grateful. You shouldn't accept God's plan for you. And sin doesn't want us to finally see the blessings that are in disguise. God wants you to stick with it by faith and finally see the blessings in disguise in the end. But if we choose to regularly abide in gratitude, we will see those blessings, even within the struggles. But that depends if we regularly abide in gratitude or not. We're going to miss the boat if we don't. When the timing of deliverance isn't to our liking, we get discouraged. Sin whispers lies to us, like, why are you holding fast your faith in the Lord? 
why hasn't God delivered you yet? But the mature believer says, in my Father's perfect timing. Answer those doubts with faith. Don't let sin deceive you over time, because that's another key test in life that we experience. We pass the test for a while, and then as time goes on and we're still in the same situation, we let it get to us. We let it disturb our faith. When in the big picture, our whole life is, a, is a, literally a drop in the bucket. But we lose perspective. So the mature believer says, in my Father's perfect timing. I'm good. In my Father's perfect timing. Just stick with the plan and never quit. Stick with His plan and never quit. You know the truth. Don't let Satan wear you down. He's the one trying to wear you down. He would love, you, love to see you throw in the towel. You know the plan. You know the truth. Stick with it. Trust God for His perfect timing. And on the board, we've seen this. Gratitude is one of the keys to staying in the will of God for your life. And one of the keys to bringing God glory in your life. Gratitude is one of the keys to staying in the will of God for your life. And of course, sin hates that. We also talked about a, um, a simple surrendering truth that whatever it takes to sanctify us, that's God's will for our lives. Keep it simple. Whatever it takes to sanctify us, that's God's will for our life. Is your life yours or his? Have you been sent here for his purposes or for yours? We know the answer. So if, if you're here for his purposes and he has all wisdom and he, and he chooses you out for this particular calling over here, then great. That must be what you need to be sanctified to bring him the most glory in this life. So by the way, um, the Spirit wants to ask this of us. Are we willing to say in our heart, whatever it takes, Lord? Are we willing to say in our heart, whatever it takes? That's the uh, surrender place he's, he wants us to be at. And it's, again, it's a process. Sanctification is a process over time. But that's where he wants us to be at. Our habitual state of mind, whatever it takes, Lord. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. Whatever you've got to do to sanctify me. On the board about our sanctification, because we don't obey all the commands we're given, God gives us discipline to take us to sanctification because we're not humble enough to be taken there by pure obedience. Nobody is except Jesus. And that's why we should also be grateful for the discipline in our lives, because even though it's painful, it's a blessing in disguise. On the other side, you're going to see the sun shine the brightest you've ever seen it, whether it's on earth or in heaven. And you'll be grateful. And then we have suffering as part of the will of God for our lives, and knowing God has a purpose to remain in gratitude. Uh, good, turn again to 1 Peter 4.12. This is one of our main passages also. 1 Peter 4.12. Suffering is a part of the will of God for our lives, and knowing God has a purpose, He wants us to remain in gratitude throughout. 1 Peter 
Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if, if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Do we trust the Lord no matter what sight tells us? In other words, on the board, will we abide in gratitude even when things aren't going our way? And when we have health problems, for example, will we trust God and thank him for what we do have. Then the Spirit reminded us that only daily feeding on the Word of God can give us answers to our questions in life. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could literally be any topic, any problem in life, that only the Word of God, daily feeding on it, is going to give you clear answers. How do you know the right decision to make? You know, the Word of God will answer you, especially if you're in it regularly and you're not just picking and choosing. Because if you're in it regularly as a habit and you say, Lord, should I take this job I'm offered? And then you go read that very night, take the job you're offered. In so many words, it's in the Bible. It says you should take the job God puts in front of you. How much more of a clear answer can you get? But God only works that way for those that are in the Word, that are relying on the Word. So we saw if we stick with the Word of God, the Spirit will use the perfect Word to answer our questions and even clarify our thoughts. That certain ideas are from Him and not from ourselves, or vice versa. How many times have you had an idea and you say, Oh, this is a good idea. I think this is from God. Is it, Lord? It's from you? And then you go read something the same day and it says, That's not from me. (laughs) Right? However He speaks to you, He can reach you. He knows exactly how to reach you, right? He knows the exact thing to say in the Bible, and it's very personal. And you realize, ooh, that was my own making, that idea. What if I followed that through? I would have been in my own will and not God's will. How do you know? Because you were here. You had your nose in the Word. He's so faithful, but He's not going to reward those that don't seek and don't ask. So anyway, um, we want to know, right? Our, our ideas that we have, are they from him or from ourselves? Could there be anything more valuable and more personal than that when he answers us those ways? So I want to share with you a couple scriptures that God gave to me to convict me that I was on the right track when starting the series for you all. So turn again to Exodus 14, verse 10. I'll begin to slow down a little bit here now. Exodus 14, 10. 
If you heard the messages on Sunday and Tuesday, you kind of know the story and how God gave me the thought to teach on this, and then he gave me these verses a short time later, the same day, to uh, give me confidence that it was what he wanted. Exodus 14.10. So remember our topic. Sin wants to deceive us away from gratitude for our Lord as our healer and deliverer. Exodus 14.10. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation or the deliverance of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. What a verse. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. How many of us are willing to stay silent, implying contentment within the situation, sitting back and trusting the Lord will take care of us? Sitting back and trusting the Lord will take care of us. Moses said, the Lord will deliver you. The Lord will save you. On the board, stand by and watch his deliverance. This implies contentment and abiding in gratitude, even while in the middle of the pressures of suffering. We just read in Exodus 14. This implies contentment and abiding in gratitude, even when in the middle of the pressures of suffering. Sin wants us to drop this attitude of faith and gratitude. It doesn't want us to wholly trust God. You know, it's okay if we trust God some of the time, but when everything's going wrong, sin wants us to revert to our old ways, our old solutions, running away, which the, the Israelites could have done right here. Right? Moses said, stand by and watch. Operate in faith. And have gratitude in advance for what he's about to do for you. Now fast forward for the Jews. They walked through the opening in the Red Sea, and all the Egyptians followed them and were swallowed up by it. You all know that because you read your own Bibles. So we're going to fast forward to Exodus 15, 22. <clears throat> Exodus 15, 22. So this is after the Red Sea, and the Egyptians have died. Then, Mo then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore they named it Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. Notice that. 
There he tested them. And uh, he said in verse 26, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. So there's the connection between obedience and blessings, by the way, which we've studied. I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. That was one of God's flicks in the forehead to me that day. I, the Lord, am your healer. And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. So there we see the deliverance from the Lord in his timing after having no water for three days. I look forward to the day when the suffering members of our congregation, some of whom can't even walk right now, will walk through our church doors with new strength, healed from an impossible, hopeless situation. And I hope you do as well. God's will be done, of course, but may we never doubt that he can do these things for us. And that he wants to do these things for us. Amen? He can do these things and he wants to do these things for us. Don't let time, don't let, you know, endurance of a situation discourage you from that reality. He can change everything on a dime if he wants to. It's a piece of cake for him. So we must never, ever doubt. And that's what came up on Sunday on the board. Never doubt. The Lord is our deliverer and our healer. And there's a time for everything under the sun. A time for testing, a time for refining, a time for silently waiting on the Lord, and a time for deliverance. There is a time for deliverance. Whether it be in this world or the next, there is a time for deliverance. We win in the end. No believers left behind. Our job is to just eagerly anticipate with gratitude. Say, boy, Lord, I can't wait to see how you're going to do this and when. And never let that spirit die in us. Or we are listening to sin, chirp in our ear and deceive us. May we never lose sight of God's sovereignty in all of this, as well as his goodness and his compassion. So whatever it is, wherever we're at, God has a plan and a certain timing that is right. What's our job? What's our salvation or deliverance in it all? What's God's will for our lives? No matter where we are. God's will, be grateful in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Be grateful for your deliverer despite the lies that sin continually throws at you. Don't take the bait. And we also talked about what what brings glory to God. What brings glory to God? The simplest things bring glory to God, like faith. It's faith that pleases God and brings Him glory. But faith isn't faith if it's in what we see. How's that faith? It's not. And this has everything to do with gratitude, by the way. On the board, it's faith in the unseen when things seem bleakest. That brings tremendous glory to God and disturbs Satan so much. 
Don't let sin deceive you away from faith and gratitude and living out the victory. Live it out. Don't quit. Stay the course. You know the plan. It's not like you don't know the plan. It's not like you don't know God. Stay the course. Don't let sin deceive you away from faith and gratitude and living out the victory. For example, go read Hebrews 11. These men and women in Hebrews 11 right now are rejoicing eternally forever and ever because of what they went through for God on earth. And they are rewarded and they are in a, such a different place in their relationship with God even. Their intimacy with God even because of what they went through by faith and God delivered them. So the, we're talking about eternal things. Things that last forever. And this is what we're going to end with tonight too. So we each have a choice. We can fall victim to self-pity and doubt and, and quit. And, you know, our lives won't fulfill or live out the victory that he's scheduled for us. Or we can escape things like self-pity and doubt by being grateful to our God and Savior no matter what. And I'm not saying the test isn't real. The test is real, no doubt. The test is real, the pain is real. But guess what? So is God's power and so is God's faithfulness. So we must never lose faith. The Spirit wants us to close this mini-series talking about deliverance and eternal things. How about seeking healing from sin and our affection for it? How about seeking healing from certain lust patterns that we simply cannot defeat on our own? What are we talking here about here? Eternal things, spiritual things, things that last forever, not being healed from physical things necessarily, right? Or our earthly desires. How about seeking healing from sin and our affection for it? Lord, take this thing away from me. I don't want it anymore. I want to bring you glory. I know it's, I know it's distracting me. How about seeking healing from certain lust patterns that we simply cannot defeat on our own? How about asking him for deliverance instead of only relief from the pain? How about trusting in him and being thankful for the deliverer himself, even if it's not the time for deliverance yet? We're talking about eternal things here. We're talking about spiritual deliverance, which really is what we really want. We don't know that's what we really want sometimes, especially when we're in pain. But we really want spiritual deliverance. We want freedom up here. Joy. Perspective is everything, and many of us have to snap out of it. Snap out of the malaise you're in. Snap out of the habitual doubting you're in. Because sin is getting the best of you. Snap out of discontent. Instead, be grateful and even content with where God has you right now. Why? How can you do that? Because you know he will deliver you in the end. On the board, sin has some of you under a spell, a spell of ungratefulness. Sin has you listening to a different spirit, the one that doubts. If that's how you've been thinking, you've become victim to sin and its deceitfulness in your life.
join the party, right? Join the club. We've all been here. And this is a message right now for some of you, I don't know who, to snap out of it because you've been dwelling in this sphere, <laughs> the ungrateful sphere, listening to a doubting spirit. And maybe you've been in that rut for a while. Snap out of it because you just have been a victim of sin. Sin tricked you into thinking that way. That's not the life God has for his children. That's not the way he wants us to live. But the truly wise believer decides to give thanks in all situations. He turns his back on sin's lies, not accepting them. I'm not going to accept that doubt. You know, if you've got to give Satan the bird, give Satan the bird. Don't accept it when you know it's an evil thought. Keep your eyes on the cross and the victory that came from it. Eternal things. If we are miserable, if we aren't content because of the details of our lives, we've taken our eyes off the cross and eternal salvation. I don't care if you just lost everything. You could have just lost your house, your job, your loved ones. If you're miserable, even in that kind of situation, you've taken your eyes off the cross and eternal salvation which trumps everything by far. You've taken your eyes off of that. That's like our anchor. That's the truth. That's the important deliverance issue, the eternal things, the spiritual freedom. So the Spirit has a little Q&A for us. You ready? Why do we put so much stock in other things, in worldly comforts and in good health in this temporary body? Why do we let those things control us and determine our happiness? The answer, because we are listening to the sin nature within us, not the spirit of the living God. If you're a slave to these things for your peace and your contentment, and we're all in the same boat, I am guilty even today. If you're a slave to these things, deciding your happiness or your contentment or your gratitude or your attitude, you've just become a victim again of the sin nature tricking you. You've listened to the wrong spirit. You listen to the sin nature instead of the spirit of the living God who's trying to remind you about eternal life and that you're his. God wants to heal us from this bad attitude, this deceitful attitude. And that starts with doing the will of God doing the will of God, namely being grateful, being thankful for what we do have and what we have been granted by grace. You can always find something. And then, this is the idea we're going to close with tonight. Still got about 14 minutes. But then there's the next step he wants us to take. You ready? Brace yourself. I mean, we've talked about being grateful for what we do have, right? Being grateful for uh, the grace that we have been given. Well, how about being grateful for what we don't have? Giving thanks for what we don't have. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 is a good example. 
When have you sat down when you're praying or when you're giving thanks and giving thanks for the stuff you don't have? If Eve did this in the garden before she ate of that tree, if she, she instead thanked God for the tree she was commanded to not eat from, she would have been all content and who knows, we might not even be in this mess, right? But she didn't. She didn't thank God for what she didn't have, for what she was told not to touch. So what, what if we do that in our spiritual lives with him? And say, in humility, I know you have a reason that I don't have this thing. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians twelve seven. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, uh, give thanks in all things, right? How about being thankful for what we don't have? Paul, in this passage, ended up thanking God for what he didn't have, namely, a pain-free life. That's what he didn't have. That's what he was asking for, but he ended up giving thanks for thanks that he didn't have it. In essence, give, he gave thanks for having pain. And you know what? <laughs> he ended up being set free by that activity in his relationship with God. 2 Corinthians twelve seven. And this doesn't make sense. <laughs> what I just said does not make sense to the human mind. But God's plan works. These things work if we try them by faith. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times. Implored means to beg. I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has, says, has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. This is what we talked about earlier, right? Persistently asking God, unless he clearly says to you, I need you to stay here for now. I need you to stay here. Then it's God's will be done. I'll accept it, Lord. And that's what Paul did here. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, what's that? Gratitude. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul became strong when he accepted, accepted this from God. When he basically on the board gave thanks for what he didn't have, which was relief from pain. He was set free. I hope you see it. He was set free in his spirit right here. He was at peace, more peace, than before he gave thanks for the thing he didn't have. If you're struggling in accepting your situation right now with gratitude, you might want to read this passage over and over a few times. 
Paul was spiritually set free here. He was delivered, not physically, from the painful thorn, but eternally and spiritually, he was good. It's like I told you about Frank uh, sharing with me his level of happiness and contentment now, even though he can barely walk. He can barely walk. And he says he's happier than he's ever been in his life because he accepted God's call upon his life. He gave, gave thanks for what he didn't have and what he doesn't have. So on the board, God wants to deliver us. How? We all think physically first, but especially in our spirit. And that might require staying in a certain physical situation so we can finally see the light. This spiritual freedom is the ultimate deliverance. God wants to save us from living in the lies of the sin nature that we were born with, and grew up with. He wants us to be free in our spirit. The very freedom Christ died for, he wants us to experience it. He wants us to live in the spirit of Christ. He wants us to be set free by the word of God. He wants the best for us. He wants us delivered. But the real deliverance is spiritually between our two ears. Again, God wants to deliver us especially in our spirit. And that might require staying in a physical, a certain physical situation so we can finally see the light. This spiritual freedom is the ultimate deliverance. On the board, spiritual healing is God's top priority and was the primary purpose of our Lord's first coming. Just think about that as we go to Matthew 13, 15. Matthew 13, 15. <clears throat> Spiritual healing is God's top priority and was the primary purpose of our Lord's first coming. We'll see how far we get with this, but Matthew 13, 15. For the heart of this people has become dull. This is Jesus speaking. The heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return. And I would, what? Heal them. Is he talking about physical healing here? Or is he talking about them seeing truth? Again, he says, and understand. He wants them to understand with their heart and return to God in repentance. That they would understand that I would heal them. Talking about spiritual healing from the throes of sin and death that people are in and don't realize it. That's the main reason he came. And look at verse 23. Matthew 13, 23. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. This is spiritual deliverance, my friends. 
people that see the truth of God and accept it, turning to him in humility. Think of all the healings the Lord Jesus performed throughout his earthly ministry. We safely could say thousands upon thousands of healings he performed. What was that a picture of? What was that a picture of? It was a picture of the, the most important healing, the eternal, not the physical, being healed spiritually from sin and death by placing our trust in him even every day, not just at the point of salvation, placing our trust in him every day, being healed spiritually every day from sin and death, from its power. On the board, God's perspective on healing our sick and deceitful hearts go from a raw wound and a sore boil to a healthy skin and a life full of energy. The Lord is our Redeemer, and the true healing that we are after, that lasts forever, is from sin and death, both positionally and experientially. God wants us to be delivered from the power of sin. We've heard this over and over from this pulpit. Our sick and deceitful hearts go from a raw wound and a sore boil to a healthy skin and a life full of energy. The Lord is our Redeemer. And the true healing that we are after, that lasts forever, is from sin and death. Both positionally, at the point of salvation, and experientially. God's like, I don't want you to be a slave to sin. I want to deliver you from that. I want to free you up here to have my peace. My peace. So whether we're healthy or not, we must put our very lives in the hands of the Lord, like a man named Hezekiah did. I think we'll close with this principle. Because our lives are in the, hand, in the hands of the Lord, aren't, aren't they? We think they're not for some reason sometimes, right? We get so self-focused. But it's when we humble ourselves before the Lord that the Lord can heal us if it's His will. And now, I want to ask you to keep the healing of the soul in mind as you see physical healings. Keep he the healing of the soul in mind as you see physical healings. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 20. Go all the way back to the middle of your Old Testament, 2 Kings 20. As we read this passage, I want you to keep the healing of the soul in mind as you see physical healing. God physically gets Hezekiah to his knees, allowing his soul to reach out to God like never before. Make the connection. Hezekiah was about to die. And then because of that situation of death that we talked about earlier, it allowed his soul to reach out to God like he never did before in his life. And there is spiritual healing and a new place of closeness to the Lord for Hezekiah because of what God did for him. And he now possesses that relationship, that intimate occurrence with God, forever and ever. I can picture Hezekiah in heaven going, do you know what the Lord did for me? Did you read, did you read my passage in Second Kings? Do you know what the Lord did for me? What is he, what, if that's his attitude, which I can't imagine not be, that grateful type of attitude, right? If that's his attitude, 
Where did that come from? Where did that immense gratitude and love even come from? From going through a situation of death and being delivered. So you're spiritually healed because of a physical healing. All right, so look at 2 Kings 20, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city, from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So again, the Spirit is challenging us to look at what happened in this man's soul because of this physical healing. He cried out to the Lord like never before. Remember we talked about trusting in God alone? How God puts us in situations of death so we honestly, honestly, really can only trust in God alone? We literally have no other hope? This happened to Hezekiah. How much closer to the Lord did he become? And how much more blessed than his spirit was he like never before? Just think about that. Like think about God's purpose in all this stuff. God's a jealous God and he wants us for his own, right? He wants, he wants our, our affection. We've talked about that. Our devotion, our, our affection. Persevering affection was the Greek. That's what he's desiring from us. How's he going to get that when we're all wrapped up in the world and we're all myopic and self-focused? Well, he's got to use things like this from time to time so that we trust in him alone. How much closer to the Lord did Hezekiah become how much more blessed than his spirit was he after this event? The things the Lord does for us personally stir up in us a closer relationship to him. And that's all there is to it. There's no way around that. There's no other way to learn this other than through experience, personal experience. There's no way to know that God loves you um, to a different level, for lack of a better word, right? We know God's love God loves us, the, the Word tells us, we believe it by faith. But, <laughs> I hope you know what I'm saying, there's a certain intimacy. God wants to show you how much He personally loves you. But until you get to a situation where you have to trust in Him alone, and you have no other choice, you're not going to be spiritually delivered. You're not going to see His love for you personally, like this situation. And so God when his divine wisdom works his magic, gives us a path to go on. He knows the perfect timing and situations to do it in for each one of us because he knows us so well. And really the point is that he loves us that much, that he's willing to wait and make us wait. 
in the end, we're all going to be delivered. We're going we're to be rejoicing in exaltation that is indescribable in heaven. But God's like, this, this drop in the bucket on earth, this, this couple of days I'm, I'm giving you, basically is what it is. I, I want to I drag something out of you. I want to show you something so you can be more intimate with me. So you can be spiritually delivered from sin, from this world, from the lies. Just something to think about. Think about the connection between what happens in the soul, spiritual deliverance, when it involves physical healing. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your grace, for your spirit teaching us. Father, we ask that you open our eyes to spiritual things and have eternal deliverance, spiritual deliverance be our top priority with you that you want us to be free in our hearts and souls. Father, whatever it takes, we ask that you sanctify us, that you take us there. We want what you want, and we know that our lives belong to you. And with gratitude, we accept whatever you have for us. Father, we ask that you bless each of us as we go out. Help us spread your good word to a lost and dying world that needs it so desperately. We ask these things in Christ's precious name, and it's by the power of your spirit we pray. Amen. Amen.